Welcome to the Late Night with Chalky podcast. I'm Jay Late Night Larson. And I'm Lyndon Chalky Cabellion. In each episode, we will be talking to different surfers and surf shops to learn more about them and their passion for surfing. We will be diving deep into their experiences as well as their involvement and contributions to their local communities. Be sure to check out our website and Instagram feed for updates on future shows. Thank you for your support, and we look forward to sharing these great stories with you. Late night. What's up, Chalky? Do you remember Fuel TV? Dude, of course I remember Fuel TV. Fuel is epic. I know it is. But I have some exciting news. And what's up? Fuel TV is back. What? It's so sick. Yeah, back and better than ever. And they are the newest sponsors of the Late Night with Chalky podcast. Yes, I love it. Thanks, Fuel. You know what the best part is? Of course I do. You can now get Fuel a whole bunch of different ways. You can subscribe to their new app called Fuel TV Plus and get their entire library of shows like Built to Shred, Danny and the Dingo, and Drive Through, and also their 24-7 channel, all commercial free. To subscribe, just go to plus.fuel.tv and download the app. The other way you can watch is Samsung TV Plus channel 1179. That way is free and includes the better than ever fuel TV that we all know and love. Skate, snow, and our favorite... Surfing. Surfing. Wow, Lyndon, that's pretty awesome. Really pumped. Hell yeah, it is. Welcome back, Fuel. Welcome back, Fuel TV. Foo Wax. The wax that's found under all of the best surfers on the planet. You mean late night? Always under my feet. And Chalky? How do you think I pull those big airs? And layback Lars. And those laybacks. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. we're not doing the 90s again, are we? I don't do those anymore. Foo Wax, the best wax in the game. Foo Wax. Bonsai balls. They only use real Asahi, not like all those other imitators using sorbet full of sugar. Yuck. They also get their honey from a and bee pollen from a bee farm. Healthy and delicious. No processed honey. What also makes them amazing is that they roast and make their own peanut butter. Damn! They've got seven locations. And download the Bonsai Bowl app to skip the line. Skip the line. Order ahead. Bonsai Bowl, healthy, delicious. Caliente Southwest Grill. Healthy Mexican food featuring local organic ingredients. They also have great salads, vegetarian and gluten-free options. Wow. Yep. Don't they also cater and make party packs? They do. They have all your needs for all your events. Nice. Visit calientesouthwest.com. Or go to the restaurant in Costa Mesa off of 17th Street. Caliente Southwest. Ashland Hard Seltzer. Crafted in San Diego. It's an adult beverage built for all walks of life. Bro, you've had it, I've had it. It's delicious. It is so good. It's refreshing, only 100 calories, all organic, no sugar, also gluten-free with 0.0 carbs. Hashtag enjoy cold Ashland hard seltzer. Friends and family, brothers and sisters, welcome to the Late Night with Chalky podcast. Welcome, listeners. Uh, this week's guest is a world-renowned foam craftsman, shaper from Sydney, Australia, Panda Surfboards, Mr. Blake Peters. How you going, guys? Yeah, what's wow. up, buddy? Wow. 
I've never heard of a surfboard shaper called Foam Craftsman. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, foam Craftsman. Yeah. Lar has coined a new term for surfboard shaper. I was going to say, you know, you know, sculptor, you know, or something, you know. Artist. Ar- artis- artisan. I don't know. But, yeah, hands-on. That's what oh. you are. Let's hear more about it. So we've been trying to get Blake on the uh, it's been podcast us. for a while, <laughs> but uh, you've been busy, and, and that's always a good thing. Yeah, like recently it's been full on, like I was saying, it's been hectic, but uh, just got to do what I got to do to make, make some money. Yeah, yeah. So let's start at the beginning, Mr. Uh, Panda. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I guess I'm from Sydney Northern Beaches. Um, on the east coast of Australia, um, grew up surfing Newport Beach, Australia, and uh, Monavale, which is like the poor man's North Narrabeen. Yeah, pretty much. Avalon, Newport. Yeah, that whole Maribel, that whole stretch there, which Manly was to the south. Those guys. Yeah, we had like I was thinking about it on the way here. We had so many good surfers back there, especially growing up. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, that's where I grew up, went to school. Like, I went to the same high school as Tommy Carroll and Luke Stedman. Nice. Um, yeah, it was a great place to grow up. And Full I, surf community. Like, yeah. yeah. Year outdoors all the time, fishing, surfing, skating. Like, I was never indoors, never hanging around at home. That's how it should be. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I was, you know, got into surfing really young. My dad surfed and... You're an outcast if you're uh, not, not yeah, yeah. in Australia. Yeah, yeah. And you live by the coast. So. Yeah. And then got into making boards really pretty early as well. Well, so let's I've start. Been around it. So your dad surfed. He got you into surfing. How old were you when you first started? Um, so, I mean, I was always down there. I was always like, even from when Boogie I was a little kid, yeah, yeah, bodyboard, all, yeah, all that. From, I don't even know, maybe like four or five. Wow. I don't know. I was always there and I always loved it. And then... Um, was it loose my, back then? Dad would go surf. you just stay on the beach? Yeah, like, I would... Dad would take us out on his board. We'd, like, hang off his back. That's cool. Um, and then once I kind of got old enough, I started paddling that out. Um, and then I got my first, like, real board when I was about eight. Eight or nine. Nice. It was that time. summer, and it was like me and all my friends got boards at the same time. Who, who was, like, your, like, crew you hung out with? Um, Anybody like that went on to yeah, pro surfing? Yeah, yeah, so two of the guys I started surfing with um, went on to do quite a bit. One was Jason Salisbury, who was riding for Banks and Dais and O'Neill up until recently. Mm. Um, and then a guy called Daniel Asmus, who he actually he went on to surf World Juniors and stuff okay. like that. Um, but both of those guys have, well, Jason's still kind of doing a little bit here and there. Daniel got over it and became a carpenter and got smart. It's so, it's, I mean, it's, it's so hard to be, you know, to make money, to make make it a profession. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And especially like with, you know, what's going on in this day and age and the competition in Australia. I mean, you know, you guys have a talent pool that's hiring with indeed your search is over 
If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Steeper than well, any. Yeah, the thing is, there's I think there's a lot of good kids around here. Yeah. Um, but it's a lot harder. There's a lot of kids that don't make any money out of it in Australia. Yeah. Over here, like I mean, <clears throat> in this area, you've got all the big brands here so it seems like a lot more kids actually get paid from a younger age yeah and i guess the market's so much bigger here yeah um so yeah there there was a lot of good guys but i feel like a lot of them um didn't go on to further their career they kind of got to a point and then just dropped off and went did a trade yeah yeah um yeah like you said you know the the market is here, the, the company is here, so it's easier for lesser talents to get, you know, to get paid to make yeah. something out of themselves yeah. here. Yeah. So how old were you? You were eight when you first got your proper board. What, uh, what, what was it? What was it? Well, yeah. it was, I'm pretty sure my dad got, like, his neighbor or something gave it to him to let us ride. I think it was a Nelson Brothers twin fin. I remember it was yellow and it had blue fins. Sick. I used to think it was an MR, but it wasn't. Thinking back, I think it was the Nelson Brothers because it's got a very similar logo. Uh-huh. The thing was so sick. <laughs> I wish I still had it. I think my dad sold it at a garage sale or something. But what, was it size like 10 times too big for you? No, because no? it, it was a little like 80s twin fin. Okay. So it was like, I'm going to say it was like a 5.6 or something. Yeah. And it was just thick, flat oh. deck, really thick. And I could turn on it like straight away. Was it more pointy nose or was it round? It was pointy nose. Yeah. Kind of like modern modern style twin. Um, Yeah. I wish I still had that thing. Yeah. That's sick. And my stepbrother dropped a bike on it and put a bunch of holes in it and ruined (laughs) it for me. Did he surf too? No. He was a bodyboarder. (laughs) (laughs) And he's always jealous of everything. That I got to try and ruin it. <laughs> Dad, Dad didn't slap some sense into him. No, I'm just kidding. We love you, bodyboarders yeah, out there. Yeah. So got rid of it. So you and your stepbrother, did you guys get along or no? Nah, we we got along pretty good. Uh, we get along good now too. So that's good. Yeah, he just he never got into the stand up side of things. He just stuck to bodyboarding. Yeah, and that was another thing. Like the beach I mainly surfed had a lot of bodyboarders, and there was a bunch of pro bodyboarders from there that's crazy a little click there yeah we have like um 
we had a uh, like permanent rip bowl there and then yeah. there's like a couple little reefs and stuff hmm. so it's pretty good for bodyboarding you guys have a ton of kneeboarders over there too yeah and there's a couple of really good kneeboarders like, like, <laughs> you know, over, here, over here it's like a rare sighting you yeah. know and it's usually really old guard kind of guys that like been doing it forever there's yeah. no new kids doing it it's kind of like a dying breed but i remember going to australia and i i blown away like all oh, these freaking half men yeah there's a couple at north narrabeen <laughs> there's a bunch of them there and then um at monavale beach there's a couple of them that like really good ones too. yeah yeah we so we it's funny because boogie boarding was huge and it felt like there's a lot a way more of the way more of them in the 90s and early 2000s and then boogie boarding kind of faded away it seems like i even know boarders too when 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 i first moved to yeah. huntington it seemed like there's a lot of them yeah then it faded away and now they're kind of back a little bit but they're not, they're no new kneeboarders. It was just like the old guys. The old guys yeah. came back. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Tom Backer. Just, yeah. That yeah. dude. Yeah. That guy's good. Phil Fine. He, he Phil was, Fine. Yeah. He's he, good. This too. guy we grew up with, he was unbelievable. I mean, he was doing barrel rolls and like upside. He was doing flips like before all the like modern surfers were doing. Like, yeah. I was watching him doing on the kneeboards. Crazy. Yeah. yeah. I'm surprised there isn't more. Yeah. Like, I would much rather do that than ride a bodyboard. For sure. Yeah, yeah. Did you guys have, like, a, a board riders in your, like, little yeah. beach? Yeah. Yeah? So, um, I did Newport Plus. Okay. When I first started doing board riders. And then um, I changed high schools when I was uh, 16. And my friends that went there, they all surfed mobile. And that's when I started surfing couple beaches over there yeah and uh my good friend from high school kyle channon he started monavale board riders his dad was the original uh owner of surfing world magazine oh wow um bruce channon okay so he's like pretty big surf media guy yeah when there was print yeah when there was print um <laughs> surfing world is huge yeah it's still going actually yeah, that's surfing awesome. world's still going i'm pretty sure um so yeah I was involved with the first lot of guys that started that club, and it's still going pretty good. Um, we're like, Monavale Beach is the beach that's kind of hasn't got all the pros. They're all at Narrabeen, Newport, and Avalon. Yeah. We had like Luke Stedman, but he doesn't even claim to be from there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out of here, guys. Yeah, yeah. You're on your own. Um, so, yeah, I was involved with that. I went to a bunch of the interclub contests, which was really good. Um, and that's really strong in Australia. Yeah. So that's your like amateur tour, almost ranking, you know, or competition. Yeah, like. you like I've surfed in a couple of contests where I was up against Nathan Webster and Chris Davidson and yeah. Daddy Cathels and stuff, and they're like, I'm way out of my league. <laughs> but it's a really good, like, it's almost like a team sport at that point because yeah. it's like tag team events and yeah. stuff. Yeah. And it gets really competitive. Yeah. Okay. We're stoked because we finally, after all these years, we I guess there used to be clubs back in the day, but not as organized as it is now with the West Coast Board Riders Clubs. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's more like alley brawl, like bro guys, like just like yeah, we're part of a club. Like this is now legit. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure you've you've seen some yeah, of the. I've um, I'm involved with a bunch of guys that are in the Newport Club. Sick. Um, made a bunch of boards for all the guys that are doing those contests. Yeah. So I've been down there and watched a couple, and 
sort of been paying attention to what's going on. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. So hopefully, hopefully they, they'll get kickstarted up sooner than later, man. Yeah. I miss, I miss the beach days. Which yeah. is crazy because uh, the New Jersey guys uh, had some competitions this past weekend. Yeah. So I'm, I'm sure it's going to start happening. And NSSA, I think there was some kind of NSSA contest finally in Virginia Beach or North Carolina or something yeah. like that. Yeah, so North something Carolina. is going on in yeah. Virginia Beach. And there was an event in Australia. Yeah, yeah that tweed. Yeah, tweed. Yeah. Anyways, there, it's happening. I think it's just you got to sell it to the you know, city council and, and yeah. you know, probably pay extra and have more, you know, whatever. It's just so did you, did you, um, I mean, I've, I've watched you surf. You surf really good. Um, did you surf other contests and um, junior series? Or? So I never got into the junior series stuff. I was probably a bit late. I feel like you got to start really early. early. So the couple guys that I learned surf with, they got into it way earlier. I, was, I don't know what I was doing. I got a dirt bike at one point, and I was like, kind of going down that route, and then went back to surfing, and um, yeah, just kind of didn't really get into it. I always was, I was one of those guys, like, as soon as I got into a contest, I'd blow it, I'd overthink everything, like, feel the pressure. Don't even say it. anything, and then, <laughs> don't even say, he loves to throw me under the bus about my competitive... But like I'll let the, you do it for yourself. <laughs> yeah, in the club contest, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, you know, so I enjoyed that. Do that array of trophies. In that one shelf tucked in the corner. <laughs> Just kidding. You've got some more somewhere, right? Yeah. What's your best one? she's <laughs> uh, I don't know. There's a. You won one in Japan. Yeah, there's one winner in Japan. There's a, a winner lower. Is one in specialty event, and then he won that Rusty C5 challenge. Oh, that was yeah, right. That was one of your biggest yeah. ones, the Japan one and that one, right? Yeah, there's a, there's a J-Bay one up, up on top, um, you know, made a few, few other finals, but only two wins. What did you ride in that rusty C5 contest, wasn't it? Yeah, and I saw, I saw your Twinser kind of concept, which was, you know, it's a four fin versus the, the five fin yeah. that they had. Um, I just had a magical kind of, kind of semi-groveler at the time. Uh, a couple inches shorter than my normal board, which was in like typical groveler, um, wide, flat, um, and it just was a magic board. I'm all, let's just, you know, we were made, you know, me and Doc, we made a couple different boards, and it just nothing felt good. And we're like, let's just last minute throw some some box, <laughs> you know. He knew kind of like how where to place them by then, you know. So we're like, well, this board is you know that good. Let's just drop a couple of uh, fins. Re, you know, re, redesign the the fin, the little um, side fins, and uh, and pretty much just rode it once before the contest, and it was freaking Cleared. good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That thing didn't have channels in it, did it? No. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was just a really good like board, and the ones that you know, like I said, it was trial and error for a little bit, and then it kind of got like crunch time, and we're like, well, if we knew this is kind of how it works, and you already have the board, and it, it ended up working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When they click, they click. Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, once you get one good wave or a session under it, you're just confident, you know? Like, if you have any doubt, you're like, you're ruined, you yeah. know? And I just like, okay, I already, already knew the board worked, and then it just, you know, clicked on a few waves or a session, and then I'm like, this is it. And it worked. But the show's about Panda. Yeah. Yeah. Not late night. I know <laughs> late night could talk about that contest, the second contest 
the only second contest he's ever won. We can talk about that all day, so we better go back on course. Hey, this is the dialogue. goes back and forth. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, LBC guys. <laughs> um, no, but, like, I mean, yeah, like, you said you got into shaping, like, early. You... Did, when did you get your first custom board, and did you have any involvement in like that um, process, or you just told the shaper like? So the well, the first couple boards I got weren't custom, and then I got my very first custom ordered board through uh, Luke Short LSD yeah. when he was mm. at Insight. So okay. he was still at Insight at the time. Insight was just down the road from me, so like we got so many good shapers right there. Um. So yeah, I went in, got my first custom. Didn't I had no idea at the time what I was really getting. I don't think um, I just knew what spray I wanted. That was about <laughs> it. I, like, I got this pretty horrendous Luke Egan spray. It was all yellow with. You now how he used to run that three color stripe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Had that running down it. I mean, to a grandma's froth, and the thing is so bright. <laughs> Boothy was telling us that. Uh, his first board and his first airbrush was super intricate and he's like yeah the board probably cost a hundred to two hundred dollars more because of the airbrush <laughs> and that's i mean if you're gonna go custom i mean you always just go it's hard when you're small to find small boards on the shelf you know at the shop for stock stuff you know yeah. you usually have to custom order like little boards but if you're gonna do it yeah you want to get an airbrush you want to get airbrush and yeah back then it was tearing out all the pros shots in the magazines and looking at like yeah, you know, yeah. like what are they doing like Mike Grom that was here he wanted John John like spray you know I'm like that's who they look up to <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh yeah actually one of my favorite ones was it wasn't a custom I got it used and it was this little 510 bat tail had channels and glass on fins it had these um flames sprayed like fading up the board looked so good and it was one of those boards like everyone who had a go on it just loved the thing it went that good magic i sold it don't know why i sold it it was super waterlogged d-land like i still crashed worked. it <laughs> still worked though you, you yeah. wish now that uh, as a shaper you're like man i just would have like loved it kept that to take all the like dims and specs and like yeah it'd be good know. to check it it had some really interesting channels and i'm I don't remember exactly how they looked. It wasn't your standard straight channels. Yeah. There was something weird going on there. I can't yeah. fully remember what was going on there. Um, yeah, that was one of my favorites. Um, and then uh, the second one I got typical, like sold on something that was way too big for me. Oh. So I've gone from surfing a 510 on a toothpick of a kid yeah so i should have been riding tiny super thin little boards i got sold from the same shaper who i got the 510 off apparently this board was shaped for lane beachley or something um it was this six two like super toothpicky and gunny right and i'm a yeah little grommet and i rode that for quite a while i broke the nose off it it went pretty good when it was bigger, but like for sort of smaller wave stuff, yeah, six pretty much all I was surfing. It was way too much board. Yeah, and I think that's when I went to get my first custom after that one. Nice. Yeah, and that was the LSD. The LSD. 
Yeah, and the funny thing is, I've uh, I ended up working with Luke, and I'm still working with him now. Oh, nice. So it's been kind of a good, long relationship on and off there yeah. for years. Yeah. So when did you get into shipping? So I, um, one of my very first jobs when I was at school, I got a job with a ding repairer. Um, he was also like the local weed dealer. Yeah. So he was doing that while he was getting me out there That's, sanded dings. I'm going to go be a ding repairer and I'm like, that guy's killing it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, there's a... There's how, much, how, how come you make so much money making ding repairs? Yeah. Doing ding repairs. I know, kid. I know. Yeah, so, like, I was a super young grummet. I was like 15. I knew, I sort of knew what was going on. And then later on, I found out as a, you know, later on in the, through guys in the industry told me when I said, oh, yeah, I used to work for so-and-so. And they'd just laugh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure you did, kid. Yeah. But yeah. that was a good introduction. It teaches you all the basic fundamentals. Yeah. So from glass and sanding and shaping. Yeah. So it was really good. We were doing a lot of stuff for Aloha, which was Greg Cloth, which was huge back then. Yeah. So it was a good start. And that basically got me going. Nice. Yeah, ding, ding repairs, I mean, it's intricate and it's not easy, you know, like there's all kinds, you know, you it got takes standard practice. ding, you got buckles, you got broken boards, there's, it's, yeah, you're reshaping, you got to get it down without damaging all the glass around, like it's, yeah, I can't do it, <laughs> put it that way. So, yeah, I so I, I, from that, like I started doing some repairs for friends and then, I found some board on the side of the road and I peeled the glass off it and reshaped the nose and glassed it. So I started figuring, like I'd learned how to use all the materials, so I started mucking around with stuff. So that was that was the start of it. Mm. At what age? Just 15, 16? Yeah, said? 15, 16. Um, and it was pretty sure it was over, pretty much over a summer holiday kind of thing. And I was making good money for a kid. Yeah. Like, yeah. more than I'd get working for most other jobs. I think I was getting, like, 20 bucks an hour. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, that's this a constant where, you know, the more you hustle and the more work you have and the harder you work, like, you could have, you know, multiple ding repairs. you got to fix this one while that's drying in the sun and you just, you have yeah. a little rotation. Yeah, yeah. And, and this guy <clears throat> did it at his house and there was shit everywhere there was fiberglass <laughs> drifting over into the neighbor's yard and like oh. dust everywhere it was so bad that was my other job cleaning all that shit up <laughs> <laughs> well i'm sure you had an endless amount of of business you know like ding repairs to be had because i mean where you lived i'm sure there's so you know, many surfers tons yeah. of surfers yeah. and people just buckling and, uh, their boards and getting dings every day yeah, so I went from that, I studied, um, finished high school, and um, I actually did this uh, marketing course that specialized in the surfing industry. Bruce Raymond Sweet. Uh, developed it. He's the one that's a big guy in Quicksilver, yeah. yeah. Um, so I did that, and it, I mean, I never went into marketing and went and started my own thing, but Which is I, guess it, I guess it taught me the... And I understand all that stuff really well. But um, That's cool. during that course, I had to do 
um, certain amount of hours working for one of the big companies. So I worked at Rip Curl for a while. Internship. Yeah, did an yeah. internship. I think it was like five or six months, and I did a little bit at Quicksilver. So was this to, in high school or was this a this college? This was after high school. So after high school. This was second year after high school. Um, first year I... And no, this was first year after high school. Straight out of high school, went in doing this. Um, and I had to do... Was it at a university or was it, was it like... A, it was a, like a private college, so it wasn't a degree. You got like a... a credit um, or something? Yeah, like a credit. Yeah. Um, or like a, a trade diploma. school, like learning... Yeah, it was specialized in marketing, PR, and events management. Wow. and um, That's kind of rad. Yeah, so it, it got me some good work experience and yeah, that yeah. sort of stuff. Um, now, but, did they call it like... Was it like... Bruce Raymond no, course or it was uh, what was this? it was through this college called MPM um, marketing hmm. but he was just one of the mentors that kind of like yeah helped. he helped put this course together because there was nothing like it yeah um, and then we had people from the industry come in and talk to us yeah, and seminar teach, lectures teach some classes and stuff um, and during that, I also had to do a certain amount of retail hours. Oh, so wow. I worked at Wick's Surf Shop, which is at uh, Coloray, Narrabeen area. Um, and that's where I ran into Luke again. Um, From LSD. Yeah. Okay. So he came in to deliver boards and I was in there fixing up shirts in the rack or something and got talking to him. Um, and I stopped by his factory to pick up some resin to fix a board. He's like, oh, you want a job? I was like, yeah, for sure. And that's where I started. Uh, I was pretty much just the shit kicker for him. He made me like sweep floors. I painted his bay at one point, um, dropping boards off at the airport for team guys, driving him and Greg Weber to the airport, dropping boards off to stores, yeah, um, invoicing, packing boards, all that sort of stuff. Yeah and was doing some repairs and stuff for him. And uh, that was what kind of got me really into it. And that was when, like, Aussie Riot, yeah. Riot Road Frame, Richie Lovett. Yeah, um, so he had some high-profile. Quinn, yeah, it's, and Julian Wilson. Um, so he had a lot of good guys, and he was doing really good then. Yeah. So this was when he's still in Sydney and hadn't moved up north yet. Um, and... So I finished, I was working there, but I was saving up to go traveling. And I left and went traveling for a whole year throughout Europe and Indo and did this huge trip. You Australians. I know. Yeah, and that was like probably the best year of surf of my life. So so let's go back to, to those team riders because... That's a heavy like, line yeah. right there. So how, how, how were they? Were they cool? Like were they... Yeah, so Aussie was really cool. He actually did a drawing on one of the first boards I ever shaped. I still got that. Sick. Did this like panda with daggers and like a <laughs> banner underneath. It looks really cool. Um, didn't have to deal with Julian, but I had to deal with his team manager. Uh, what was his name? <laughs> Kurt. Uh, mm. And then. Uh, Sounds like Richie was, was in there. It's not light enough. Yeah. Richie <laughs> Lovett. Richie Lovett was in there quite a bit, and that was when Richie Lovett won the lowest contest. Yeah, I remember being in there the day after it had happened, and Luke was freaking super stoked over it. Yeah. yeah, you know he was on the mayhem. He just put it. Yeah. over. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, so I was kind of just, I was just the kid packing boards and yeah. running around. 
kind of a rad little experience though yeah, it right was really like, good and it was actually in the old energy factories so simon anderson's old partner steve zola has owns the property and still has a factory at the front and he actually became a pretty big mentor of mine um so he was around it's like that factory's been there forever and yeah. it's like a museum yeah. when you walk in there it That's seems like once they they, they pass the environmental like you know get the, the sign off that they, they kind of yeah. stick around for It'll a while. to go that, through that process to reset somewhere else kind of grandfathered in and, yeah you know. yeah yeah that factory's sitting there waiting just to get bought up by a developer it's literally yeah. been developed all the way around and there's still this crappy little house with a factory yeah. at the back yeah I saw Richie post some stuff he's shaping now too right yeah Richie, he's doing um, I think he calls it volume shapes or yeah I wasn't sure I just saw a post like, but he's like, been involved with FCS for a long time. Yeah. Um, well, geez, and like I, that surfboard agency, I think. Yeah. I dealt with him when he was at FCS yeah. a few times. Yeah. It's cool. I just said no. You know, I just saw like, oh, you brought up Richie. And I'm like, yeah, he's shaking too. Mm-hmm. Seems like a lot of guys are in, in getting into it, you know? Yeah. Well, it's mm-hmm. funny, you know, when, when we talk to PT and talk to older surfers, it's yeah. like that back then, that's what they did. They surfed and shaped boards, their own boards, yeah, and shaped boards to make money to travel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, and a lot of them, you know, if you have, it's a, you know, obviously super expensive, and if you're living in an area where there's not a lot of, you know, options to buy boards or have local shapers, like, I mean, a lot of guys that have been pro or at that caliber really should understand like the basics of. Of shaping but yeah. you know i see guys like shay lopez aaron cormican and these guys that you know they shape they they do um surf class or coaching and their kids are obviously in that age group and it's more it keeps you like relative and on the pulse with like yeah. that kind of generation and if you can make some money doing it then, yeah then it's cool i know for me like we had so many good shapers around it definitely wasn't something of like i couldn't get a good board and it wasn't that you know i could always save up and buy a board yeah but it was more just i was a surf obsessed kid yeah. and when i worked for luke and i saw what he was doing i was like i want to do this yeah i was like just obsessed with it and all i ever wanted to do was just surf all the time so yeah like all can, of us yeah if you can make a living out of it it's a good way to do it and it's, i'm not going to be a pro surfer so so did luke start taking you under his wing and start so I went traveling. I oh, went yeah. away for a year. I got a whole quiver of new boards. Sick. And uh, All LS- LSD? Yeah, all Luke's. And I went, um, I did a month in Indo. Um, went to like Lakey Peak and stuff, hung around. Smart. Had a party, surfed. Then I, so I had a job lined up in Newquay, Cornwall, in the UK. Had a job lined up as a surf coach. There's a heap of surf schools there yeah. over summertime. Yeah. Had a job lined up, turned up to the place that I thought was the surf school. Turns out it was not. And it was this other place. And the <laughs> place I had a job at was like half an hour down the coast somewhere. And I have never ended up even going there. I just oh, stayed yeah. at this place. And I ended up working for this surf school and got a job at the local board shop just up the street. So I was doing that. Um, so wait, talk about your travel though, real quick. So you went to... 
Indo. Indo. And then where? To the UK. To the UK. And I spent, I was in the UK for like six, eight months, six months. And then met a bunch of people there. Um, Met a couple of other Aussies that were doing the same thing. I was just traveling solo. Um, I knew one guy that was coming over um, around the same time. And so me, him, and this other guy I met, bought a van, went thirds, decked it out, got some people to help us that I had met locally, um, decked it out, and then drove to Morocco and back. Damn! Yeah. How, how long that was that was drive? The best, that was the best couple months of waves I think I've bet. ever had. So you drove from the UK yeah. all the way to Morocco. Yeah, so get on a ferry, cross to France, Spain, Portugal... Back into Spain, cross on a ferry to Morocco, all the way down the bottom to like Sahara. Damn. Surfed all those points down there, like uh, Anchor Point and Killers. And How many points. of you were in the van? There was three of us. Um, and we, one of the guys was super short, so he got like a little mattress on the side, like a little black mattress, and we had a double mattress. We just sleep crossways in the van. Um, we had some like old cupboards out of a caravan bolted to the cage in the back. You have like a little uh, shove boards underneath. Just cooler and pick up food daily. Like um, a So we were traveling super tight. We only got one hotel room the whole time we were on the road. We'd just stop off at local supermarkets and stuff, cook food in the van. Uh, we almost blew the van up one night. Yeah. <laughs> we're in France and it's raining and we're trying to cook in the van and the so we had like a little gas cooker and the hose wasn't connected properly oh. and we lit it and it just it turned into a flamethrower and we're trapped, all three of us are like crammed in there and it like burnt my eyebrows off. Full <laughs> 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 yeah. trap, we're bashing it with pillows trying to pull it, put it out because it was like fully raining outside. We're just kind of stuck in the van. What an adventure! Yeah, though. so it was like there was a lot of good stories on how on long. That road trip. How long was that trip, or that how was long a good was the drive? Uh, two and a bit months. Wow! And I could have kept going, but one of the guys had a job lined up at a pub in London, and one of the other guys was flying home, so I had to drop them back, and I was free. I was like, what "You got I the van, I got could, two like, two last dudes in there." Yeah, right. Like when I look back at it, I was like, "Ah, oh, I could have just." gone back down to France or something. Did you document it well? Check a lot of pictures? I've got a bunch of pictures. Yeah, I've got Sick. them all on a CD somewhere. Yeah. Stashed away. What, what, uh, like, what time of the year? Where, where, you know, because it gets kind right of Right around the time of the Quickie Pro. So yeah. it was like September, October. Like fall, yeah. August, September, October. Yeah. Yeah, so it was pumping waves. Pumping. Yeah. Not too cold yet. No, and there's so many good waves down there. It's, Europe's so underrated. Yeah. So but Morocco fun. is like... Back then, it was still kind of uncharted, it's right? pretty sketchy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, you couldn't... Um, so that was the one place we got a hotel because it's pretty unsafe. So we spent one night in like a campground, like a, had security at the front. One of the boys slept on the roof of the van. Uh, we did that for one night and then we're like, oh, we'll just go get a hotel room. It costs nothing. Yeah. Stayed right on the point there at Anchor Point. So good. Um, That's what it's called? Anchor? Yeah, you got... It's just all right-hand point breaks. Mm. It literally every bend in the coast has a right-hander off it. How yeah. how big was it? Uh, we didn't get anchor point real good. We got killers, which is around the corner. We got that pretty good. 
We got that uh, slabby rot that um, Dan Malloy and Shane Dorian surf in uh, sipping jet streams. Mm. We got that really good with no one out. Ugh. Like sheet glass, sunny. There were guys out when we got there. There was like this uh, English surf school. We paddled out and one of the boys got in a fight with the surf coach and they went in. We had it to ourselves. <laughs> Oh, it's not a spot for uh, <laughs> yeah. the future. Yeah, you gotta go. See ya. And uh, we surfed that a couple times, but that was like just take off, get barreled, come out. And then you'd paddle in. There was just kind of like a little horseshoe cove that you kind of aimed at and went into and climbed up the rocks. Super rocky. Yeah, you got Dark like, Erie. Is it shark Erie? Not no, really. No, I don't yeah. even think you get many sharks down there. Yeah. Europe's not sharky really yeah um and so yeah that was really good you got all the like fishermen dig uh like little caves into the cliff face yeah they live in there i think wow it looks like yeah. a pretty cool like yeah destination and it's, i mean it's been really exposed obviously the last decade or so with, yeah with a lot of the guys going down there and mm-hmm. it looks amazing it's on my bucket list one place i haven't been morocco yeah, yeah. you're like you're driving for like two days to get down there there's nothing but dirt and rock yeah, and you'll really. be in the middle like hours from anywhere and all of a sudden there's just this guy walking down the road like, all by where, himself where the fuck did he come from that's yeah. so crazy yeah and you see guys like goat herders and there's goats up in trees and turkey herders um you see guys walking down the street and they've, they've just killed a goat and they got a head in one hand and the body in the other <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, was, you're like don't drive no- next to him yeah, so and there cool. was, like, really good little restaurants there. The food's awesome. Really? Yeah, you eat out of a, a tangine, I think you call it. It's like a pot, and they just stew everything in the pot. Mm. And you have the mint tea, and they pour it up super high. So um, cool. And there was this, this guy that would ride around on a motorbike with a Mickey Mouse vest on, and he was the local hash dealer. <laughs> Hashish, hashish. Yeah. <laughs> it's... Uh, it's a pretty sketchy place yeah like driving in you'd come into I can't remember what the port's called but you just get swarmed by all these guys you know it's a little vendor, Arab, street vendors an Arab country they're, they're it's like you're in the land of Aladdin like they've yeah. got the little curly shoes on and gowns and everything yeah. and they're just swarming your car and you can't get car insurance so and it's like one of the sketchiest places to go, and you got to drive for days. Yeah, half of them are just hungry to get some money and be a yeah. guide or, or show you this, yeah. and the other half are looking to rip you off, you know. So yeah. you got to be very like, yeah. So you're just getting fully hassled, guys banging on the car, and you just got to try and play off them. Don't make eye <laughs> contact. I've been here many yeah. times. I know where I'm going. Roll up your window. Up. Hey, hey, where, what what turn do I do? <laughs> Roll yeah. up your window. Yeah, how, how's like? Did you guys have like a surf? map like or a road map like it's with like here's yeah so this was before gps so we had a full road map and we got lost so many times oh my gosh it was one day we're driving through france and we'd driven past this lake and i think we're we're like near hosker and stuff like that and we've driven past this lake and then like three hours later we're going past it again and i'm like hey guys We've already been here. Where the fuck are we? And we got we just done this huge loop, just wasted a whole day pretty much. Oh man! Um, but that was like part of the fun. We literally find a spot on the map and go. We want to go party here. We want to go surf here, and just 
go camp out. And there were so many other people doing the same thing. You pull yeah. up beach car parks and there's 10 other vans. Everyone's just camping out. Um, Nomads. Yeah. And I had one of those little surfing books, a little atlas yeah. thing. And it had like the maps and the most popular spots. Didn't have all the spots. And but so I'm like, like yeah. yeah, it tells you how to get there and where to stay and all yeah. that. So we follow that. And as we went, we'd find places and we'd mark them down. And that little atlas I ended up giving to some friends and then they gave it to some friends. And How rad. As far as I know, it's still over there, still going. That's epic. That's epic. What, what yeah. kind of like, you have this van, what kind of range gas tank would you always like, did you carry extra gas? In case no, we didn't you know? carry extra gas. No, just like <laughs> fill up when you... Yeah, we like, had, it was a really old Ford Transit. Yeah. Like, it would have been like an 80s Ford Transit. Um, the guy I bought it off used it to drive his motorcycle around in um so it was just a shell and it had a bench seat so it fitted the three of us in there um and yeah we just i don't even remember it was rugged yeah it doesn't tell you when it was like on empty yeah (laughs) and you just kind of met those dudes that you traveled with one of them i knew from home okay um his brother was a shaper who i had a few boards off um so i knew previously that he was going over so we kind of lined up to meet up and then the other guy I met, we were staying at the same hostel, um, and he was from Sydney as well. And so he jumped in on it. And then there was a couple of other guys that had another van, and they ended up like doing a ski season in France somewhere, which so I should, cool. probably should have done. I should have driven back down. Yeah. In hindsight, were you, were you okay on funds, like working that six months? Yeah. Like- so I was working four days a week at this surf shop, surfing, partying, just having a hell time yeah i did the surf did the surf school thing for a little bit um and but when i was working that surf shop i actually met um geordie smith and his dad they're over there for the qs event and the whole team of south africans they're all staying in the same hostel as me Mm. which was right next door to the surf shop so i like lived in this little zone where it was all in walking distance and um, how was that surf shop what was it called you remember? Surfer's Paradise. It was okay. owned by Nigel Simmons, who's the local shaper in Newquay. It's like and the, British the, champ. the surf scene there is... It's a pretty big surf scene, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's cool. Yeah. Um, we're, we're getting used to the tides there and the swings yeah, and the swell. Yeah. Like, the surf's pretty crap, yeah, really. Yeah. But it, it has its moments, same as everywhere. Yeah. I had some fun sessions. Um, I one thing I kind of beat myself up about, I didn't travel around that much. I kind of got in this one zone and kind of stayed there. Yeah. I should have traveled around a bit more because there are some waves around. There, yeah. And I should have gone to like I mean, UK, the UK is not famous for surfing. No. No. But there is a surf scene there. There is, there there is. is a full surf scene there. And, and why did you decide to go there? Um, so actually a friend of mine worked there for the summer as a lifeguard the year before and he's like oh yeah it's so much fun and I actually my grandparents gave me two thousand dollars they I guess they got like it they decided to give me and my sister two grand and I was like I'm out of here <laughs> buy a car so, go get an apartment and go travel whatever yeah Just I like, was like I'm out of school. here so that's when I was working for Luke I got a morning job at a fruit market I'd start work at like 4.35am do that till lunch and go work for Luke. Um, saved up and just got out of there. Yeah. I only had, I didn't save that much. I had like six or seven grand. Yeah. And, but I had a job lined up. So I 
didn't really spend for what I'd saved until I hit the road. Yeah. I just lived off what I was making at the surf shop. Did, um, did you have to get a work permit? Like Yeah, so this so is the thing. All Aussies get a two-year visa for the UK up until you're the age of 30. So wow. as long as you use it before then, you've got two years of wow. a visa to use for the UK. So I took advantage of that. They're trying to recruit. Yeah. Old, old over there at the average age. They need to get some new blood over there. <laughs> yeah, so I worked... They in speak that, English. Worked yeah. in the shop, and I actually started doing ding repairs out the back of the shop because I knew how to do it at that point. Yeah. And all I was doing was literally getting tubes of solar resin off the rack in the shop, and I was fixing dings out the back, make it like, I think I made 200 quid in one day on the side while I was working this job in the yeah. surf shop. And I taught the guys there how to do it, and they kept doing it after I left. So good. But, like, I was making some good coin doing that. And I met Geordie and his dad, and I don't know if Duma was there at that time. Yeah. He might have been. I can't remember. There was a uh, few other guys. And um, so Geordie's dad would, like, come hang out at the shop, and he was probably trying to sell his boards at the time. And we would go watch Geordie surf, and... He was just like, I was really into board design and he offered to bring me over to South Africa and teach me over there and have me work for him there. Really? That's cool. Yeah, but I didn't end up doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You blew it. No, I'm just kidding. But again, that was like a relationship that like I've run into them so many times over the years. It's been really good. Yeah. So I was there when Geordie won his World Junior Championship at North Narrabeen. Yeah. I was watching with his dad. Um, so Geordie's dad got me really pumped on it. It's like, oh, you should give it a go. And Luke had offered to teach me when he was shaping one of my boards. He's like, oh, you should do it. Yeah. It's like, oh, no, nah, you do it. <laughs> but then that kind of kicked me into gear to like actually want to do it. Yeah. We always um, talk, sorry to interrupt, we, we always talk about how, you know, awesome like the, the surf community is. And, you know, we're all like, it's a brotherhood. And it's like, here you are. You're traveling halfway around the world to England, and you just happen to meet Jordan and his dad. You know, maybe you cross paths, hangs at the surf shop. Like, yeah, I work for, for yeah. Luke, whatever. Come to I'll come to South Africa, and yeah. I'll come shave yeah, with me. Yeah. Like the door is just open. Yeah, just being at the right place, being cool, being at the right place at the right time, obviously. Yeah, and I mean that doesn't happen often, yeah. you know, but it does. You know what I mean? More with, often than not, it, with surfing, it's. Like you said, it's a brotherhood, and when I don't think that happens in like other professions or, or other sports, or, yeah, it, you yeah. know what I mean. Like, yeah, we never hear those stories, at least. Yeah, like I've I've got places to stay all around the world now from my travels and through work and yeah. stuff. Now it's really cool, and so I literally have groups of friends situated yeah. everywhere. So definitely, you know, you're the international man of mystery. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I actually, the guy who managed the surf shop, he ended up moving to Australia <laughs> and now has a ding repair business and a glassing factory in Byron Bay and manufactures my boards there. Wow. So, like, I, I made a lot of relationships back then, traveling, that are still there today. Yeah. So cool. So, when did you first get into shaping? So, basically, as soon as I got home from this trip... So we finished the road trip. I got back to the UK, dropped everyone off, and I was kind of floating around trying to sell the van, trying to figure out what I was going to do. Did another month in Indo. And then... Damn! Um, 
did uh, yeah another month there. Got home. I actually still have money left over somehow. Sick. Like did it on the cheap. Um, got home, and this was when I started shaping. My plan was to actually go do a course um, to work on the super yachts. I was going to go back to Europe and go get a job on the yachts in the Mediterranean. Wow. Which is... Doing, doing what? So you're basically like a deckhand on those big private yachts. You know, this, Make you know like 100 yeah. foot... Yeah, you, you're you a billionaire if you own one of these things. Yeah. You know, they're rich and famous and they have full, full-time crew living on those yachts to basically just drive them around. And I've got a friend who's a captain on one right now. He drives it all over the world. Yeah. And he made killer money everything's paid for so you don't spend your money till you get off and you get like six months off a year so like it's really good if you want to save a bunch of money yeah and make good coin um so i was and going see to the world yeah and see the world <laughs> it's for free yeah uh ladies um yeah this is uh yeah my boat well all right wait i gotta go clean this no 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 you so imagine I, like the stories you could have like oh. yeah so i met a bunch of aussie guys in portugal who were doing that and they they just finished they're all cashed up and they're just surfing around europe for, for damn a bit. yeah so that was my plan and as soon as i got home i decided to go shape a board so i went down to the luke's old factory and while i was away he'd moved up the coast so he wasn't there anymore but uh the guy who used to go shape for him was still there and was doing his own label. And then this other guy, Sean Wild, had his bay there. And so I went in and they taught me how to do my first board. Um, and I was just there all the time, I think, just hanging out. And What I, was your first board? What did you shape? Uh, first board I shaped was a 5.11 short board, just a straight up performance board. Because back then, that's all I was riding. I, yeah. I had Square a fish tail, and stuff. Tail. Uh, just a squash tail, glass on thruster with a little... Um, glass on? Yeah. Huh. So back, that was 2005, end of 2005. Glass ons were still pretty big. FCS was in, but a lot of my boards, um, I was riding glass ons. Mm. I preferred them. So I did the full glass on scene, did a foam stain with resin tint. Um and that was my first board. It actually went okay. Had a few weird things to it. Yeah. Like the deck. I couldn't get the deck dome properly. What? It was kind of like this. <laughs> um, yeah, I was going to say, like, that ghost shaper, he, he teach you, like, Yeah, all he kind of went, he went through the, oh, no, he didn't really go through all the steps with me. He'd just come in, he'd kind of say, do this, and then I'd just hack at it, and then he'd kind of come and fix it up. Yeah. And so I came out pretty good and I paid him to glass it. And then I was hanging around and I started doing ding repairs for him. So I started, fell back to that again. Yeah. And I started doing a bunch of those. And then those two guys had a falling out. One of them decided to leave. So I bought his bay, which was Luke's bay. So I bought my share of the factory, like the fit out. So I moved in and just started a ding repair business. So I just went full on into that because um, there was customers coming in there all the time. I didn't have to worry too much about chasing the customers. Yeah. Um, so I started doing that and then I was like, from the first board, I was like, I'm just going to sh- keep shaping. Yeah. And just, then, for your, just for yourself. like Yeah, yeah just yeah. for myself. Just. And Sean, he, so he does like a lot of long boards, fishes, all that sort of stuff. Um, 
he just helped me out and taught me how to glass and anything I needed to know, they were there to show me what to do. Yeah. But it's funny, like, I don't remember them going through all the steps of shaping with me. Yeah. It's funny, you can learn more nowadays on YouTube than For sure. you can what learn I was getting taught. You they, can learn anything yeah, on YouTube. They weren't giving away any secrets. It was yeah. more like, here's a planner, this is how you use it, hack away at it. Yeah. That's the old guard. That's the old generation. Yeah. Now if some kid came here, you'd be like, okay, hey, we're going to shape this together step by step. You know, yeah. I think the, that's the communication yeah. level is a little different. And the funny thing is, Sean actually went to high school over here. He went to Huntington High what? and learned to shape here. He shaped uh, for Blake's surfboards. Yeah. Um, and Robert August brought Robert August back to Australia. Um, and I, the planer I learned on was Blake's planer. Wow. Look, how funny trip. is that? That's crazy. Yeah. Small. So it's like a full circle. It's full circle. So when, like, when did you start getting hit up by by friends or people? Um, they saw you. Yeah, so I, I sold my very first board. Cheers, by the way. Oh, yeah, cheers. Thank you for this beautiful. This no, you're talking gold, too much. You're golden drink. drink. Mm. So Ashland, um, so tasty. <laughs> what was I saying? One of our sponsors. Um, you sh- you I sold it. my first one, which I regret. And the guy I sold it to snapped it, so it's long gone. Mm. Um, but I got uh, a couple of my friends uh, got boards off me really early on. Yeah. Um, I wasn't making any money off those. I was literally doing it for nothing. Yeah, it's, a, it's you know, pay pay for your craft to, like, learn, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. Um, I was making my money off the dings, and I just kept going. And um, eventually another guy moved into the factory, um, Mark Ganesh, who does van pirate surfboards with Aussie Wright. So that's what Aussie was hanging around a lot. Um, and those guys ended up turning the showroom into a band room and it's kind of more of a hangout. Um, the Goons of Doom? So, we, so yeah. you mean you, you invested in this, like, you're, like, yeah, part so, owner. Like, you're not yeah, just renting I, a bay. I bought the fit out, so it was my bay and, I you know, half the factory was mine. Yeah. Um, but while I was there, so I, I was there for a year or so and I, uh, I knew this chick who had this, like, um, dressmaking place across the road and it was an old mechanics workshop so it had the super high ceiling just a, it's like a garage pretty much mm-hmm. and um, I went in there to get a suit altered and it was probably like one of the ones I bought from Indo yeah. came home and had it, had it fixed up cost and you $10 I went in there and she's like oh yeah I'm moving out and I was like this is, I can turn this into a factory and it was just like I ran over grabbed my measuring tape Went back in, measured it up. I was like, I can make this work. Yeah. It was big enough to fit a shaping bay, sanding bay. I It had a heart, like half a mezzanine in there. Yeah. Built full mezzanine. So I'd have the second story and put my glassing bay upstairs. It was just like two glassing racks. Wow. And moved out of the other place. Started my own thing. Wow. And from then on, that's pretty much where people started taking me serious. So you... Started your own one-stop shop, ding repair, glassing, shaping. Yeah. So factory. from then, that's pretty much when I started doing more custom boards. Okay. And um, did you finally like make a brand? Yeah. So that panda was pretty much born from the first one I did. But once I got that place, that's where became panda and there was like signage on the wall and you called um, it panda yeah was that a nickname of yours or just no, you, you know, liked what, it or how did that it's kind of like 
I was so young at the time. It's like a high school band. You call it this thing you think sounds cool at the time, and it sticks. And I've been <laughs> stuck with it. I thought it Wait, you were in the band. It was just me solo. <laughs> um, so wait. You were in a band? You're no, so I was saying it's like a high school band. Oh, okay, band okay. Kind of thing, you know? Just a bad name that sticks. Uh, I thought it sounded cool at the time, and I did, like, everyone else was like, Hayden Shapes, JS, like, it was all People's after their name. Design, yeah. I, didn't want, name, yeah. I didn't want to do that. I wanted to eventually be able to, if I got to that point, branch out to do other products. Yeah. If I wanted, you know, build a brand around it. Yeah. I was... So here comes that marketing. Was that yeah. Bruce Raymond School of yeah. uh, Marketing right there. I, I had that in my head when I did it. I wanted a certain look and it sounded good, so that's what I went with. And it stuck. I tried to change it a couple of times, but there was no... I like Panda. It, yeah. it Pandas sticks. are it rad. St- it stands out. It, it's... Power, you know, it's not, you know, I wouldn't say powerful, like, you know, angry, like, you know, crazy name. Yeah, it's, it's not like, like it's, a real masculine... No, but it's, <laughs> but, but it's it, cool. Yeah, it's a, it's it's a cool, unique. different name. Yeah, pandas are are they're unique. Yeah. And the funny thing is, it's the Japanese love it. You didn't want to go kangaroo <laughs> or koala, or you know, <laughs> the Japanese love it. It's like a, I think it's a symbol of good luck over there. They, yeah, they absolutely froth on it. Yeah, I believe so that. It. That was one good thing that came out of it. Um, so, how old were you when you when you? I was twenty. Wow. Yeah, so I studied, traveled, I'd studied, traveled, and started a business before I was 21. Wow. Did you have to take a loan out? Uh, no, my dad helped me, like, bought me some tools. Um, but I was, like, I had the ding repair thing, and that was turning over cash enough flow, yeah. cash to pay the rent. Um, dad helped me, like, do the setup. I had um, a friend come in who was a builder. He decked it. My best mate came in, decked it out for, like, next to nothing. It wasn't a big place. It was pretty small. Yeah. yeah. Um, had like a little showroom thing at the front, two bays and a bay upstairs. I'll shape you aboard to power this up. Yeah, and I didn't... The one thing there was really hard to get extraction fans put in. I literally punched a hole through the brick wall and stuck a fan in there with a carbon <laughs> filter on it. And when I moved out, they kept the landlord came in to inspect and he's like what's this hole from <laughs> i was like oh, i don't know i was there when i moved in um and i eventually got kicked out of there because of the resin fumes people there was a real estate agent out in the front office kind of in the same building and i guess i was blowing fumes out and they had an air conditioner on the same wall and it was sucking, sucking the air in, in the <laughs> resin hits yeah so they were they were getting high on resin and got sick of it and called the council and got me shut down so but i was in there for a couple of years and eventually uh we just moved the manufacturing i kept that little shop for a long time just turned it into a full shop um and i just moved my manufacturing did it down the road um and literally kept that until probably like two three years ago so when you started shaping right when did you like have that moment where you're like, shit, you know, like, because ding repair was your main business, right? And I'm sure glassing surfboards and stuff too, but then when did you start collecting all these customs? And, um, pretty much as soon as I opened that place. Like, really? I got more and more friends getting on them. Um, I was using a new phone that uh, no one else was using at the time. Um, I 
had a family friend that was involved with one of the big resin companies and they were involved with this new blank company which is now huge and got bought out i'm pretty sure called core um so my blanks were way wider than everyone else's so they were they looked really bright and fresh um and i knew everyone so all the boys were coming and getting boards yeah and it just start it just started did you did you have to undercut like some of the more like established shapers yeah i mean like at the beginning beginning, you know i did them pretty cheap especially for my friends but that's how you get started you know they probably weren't any good yeah like the you know there's probably some dogs in there um and that's that's what you get you know yeah but the the people that stuck by me from then you know i'll look after now so so uh you started getting good, right? Getting a lot of boards under your belt. Who was your first like shop that bought um, panda board? So there was a shop in Nar- or Colorado, just you know down the road that a friend of mine was a manager of. And they put a few boards in there, but I didn't really do much retail at all. Like I still don't a lot in Australia. I do way more here. Um, I was pretty much doing direct. I was one of the first guys to have a proper website and selling online. Mm. Um, I had a couple... I had like a store on the Gold Coast. I had a couple online stores like Surf Stitch, who's... Was yeah. big. Yeah, they were huge. Um, but it was pretty much all direct. So um, you were like new school with it. Yeah, I came in at a funny time, like... When I first got my Japan distributor, Japan was huge. It was this big thing. I was about to do my first trip, and it was either there was an earthquake or the market crashed, like, right then. And it was literally disaster after disaster. I think there was a couple of earthquakes. You had the tsunami. All this stuff happened, and it just hammered the market over there. Yeah. So back in the day, like, guys were getting basically full retail for their wholesale price yeah and it just got hammered and hammered down um a lot of people stopped surfing and the surf market over there now is like it's all older guys the young guys don't surf yeah they're like they're they don't drive cars they don't surf they're very like feminine they don't like date they're it's it's really weird (laughs) i just watched a show about about the culture and pretty weird yeah so yeah. my market over there i mean they need to are, get canoa over there more and more yeah yeah <laughs> so like the market over there is like pretty much late 30s up yeah. there's yeah. not many real young guys there are some and there's some young rippers but yeah. have you been there quite a bit i've been there a ton of times I, I used to go there once a year for like eight years yeah so i was going once to twice a year f- since Probably 2008, 2000, yeah, around there. Yeah. Did like a distributor like reach out to you? Yeah, like- so I'd done a little board, one of those board tests in a magazine. Yeah. The Aussie magazines seemed to get seen everywhere and um, my distributor saw me in there and hit yeah. me up and I was like, yeah, Who, sure. Who's your distributor? It's called Unit 9 Distribution and they had worked with Hayden Shapes and they worked with uh, Gunter Ron who uh, did local motion in Australia. Mm-hmm. A South African guy has been around for a long time. Um, they were doing his boards. Um, so I was like, well, if yeah. he's doing them, then yeah, I'm, I'm in. Reputable. Yeah, so I went, I've been with them. I'm still with them. Um, so yeah, I've been 
dealing with Japan for a long time and do quite a few over there. Nice. Um, if, if you obviously you've gone over there and surfed. Yeah, I've surfed there a heap. We usually do. Um, so I've done a bunch of Ruka trips over there. Nice. Um, done the Green Room Festival a couple, couple times. Travelled with Al Nost and Ford yep. over there with the band. So we'd do these tours with the Ruka crew and the guys would play a party. Yep. And we'd have boards displayed everywhere and we'd literally just go all over the place. That's sick. Which was really cool. Done that a couple times. Um, it's a good way to cross market. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's really good. So I've... And I've got to hung, hang out with a bunch of cool people, nice. like at Green Room Festival and yeah. stuff that I otherwise wouldn't have. Um, so yeah, Japan's a pretty big one for me. And yeah, I've been there so many times. Um, and we, so I normally would go over there shape, and then we do like a little surf tour, and we like go hang out with customers down in Miyazaki or something. Yeah, and surf with them all, and they just go nuts yeah for well, it I mean trial they're, they're frothers they're, they're I mean they're really hot to jump on on like trend or newness and stuff and I mean your, your shapes look amazing but like the art or the, the the sprays and all of your like color and the way that they're presented I mean look you know almost like little mini art pieces you know? but do they call you break yes I do <laughs> <laughs> break <laughs> Yeah. Hey, Brick, I need oh, a new I, surfboard. I need it Remen. Yeah, they, <laughs> they love to buy me gifts. Like, I mean, this guy bought me like a dried stingray tail, and that was like my gift. I'm like, what the fuck am I going to do with that? A stingray tail? Yeah, so I call him Stingray, and he gets boards off me all the time. <laughs> all the time. Like, every time I get a bunch of orders, he's getting one. Um, and, like, I'll go shape there, and I ha- I've got this one guy who, like, drives for hours come up and see us or down to see us wherever yeah. we are yeah and this one time I I forgot my handsaw so he's like gone to the hardware bought me a saw oh my gosh yeah and I've still got that I use it every day so cool um, yeah but he always asks about it and he'll order like a handful of boards every year That's does cool. he take them back and just for himself or does he go back to his local like um, he stuff? had a store but it was in the zone that got wiped out by the tsunami <sighs> so he doesn't have that anymore but he uh, I guess got a heap of friends and all yeah. customers and stuff so that's the other thing they hang in these groups yeah so each store has like this clan of guys that just hang I out love, and all surf together I yeah. love that about yeah. their culture so you'll yeah. get an order from one shop and it's all custom order pretty much they don't really order stock, stock. Yeah. yeah it's custom like custom yeah, they all custom. want they all want their own killer spray their own killer design yeah, yeah. they're very passionate about like having their own so yeah. so they would they'd get like there'll be a whole handful of custom orders for that shop for yeah. that group so cool yeah it's killer because it's like their club and their you know their little culture right and they they do they they don't just surf but they go to karaoke and they fucking yeah. go to dinner and then they and yeah, that's barbecue. the other thing like when I go there it's like going on tour with a yeah. big band by the end you're so done yeah because yeah, like, they want to party with you. Oh, yeah. the last trip we did, I took uh, Ford, Colin Moran, uh, Ford, Colin, um, and then uh, one of the Ruka filmers, and we literally did this tour where every night we were out. Yeah. <laughs> and we, by the end, we were so done, and we'd turn up to a place, they're like, oh, we're just going for dinner. You get there, and there's 100 people. Yeah. There's a DJ set up, 
and it's a full party and that we're like so hungover and torched from the rest of the thing. It's really tough. Yeah. You wish you could do that tonight though, right? <laughs> that last trip I was I was really done. Like I couldn't wait to get out of there. Well, when was the last time you were there? Uh well it wasn't last year, Pretty it was the year before. So I couldn't travel last year because I was applying for my green card. Um and you can't travel when you apply for it. That's crazy. So I was locked down, I couldn't go anywhere. So this year I was meant to do a full on tour. Yeah. I was meant to go there, Australia and Europe. And then COVID hit. I was yeah. literally just about to start organising flights and stuff. So, so, so I'll be going back there as soon as I can. Yeah. So let's... I don't know when. What brought you out to the States? So for the States, I had... Um, so it was 2011. I did my first trip over. Um, one of my best mates was working for FCS in marketing, surf hardware. And he was over here for three months... I don't know why they, they brought him over. So he was living down in Oceanside and I came over when the lowest contest was on. I was like, oh, I'm just going to go over for two weeks, hang out, yeah. have a good time. And I think I'd made Ford. Ford was already getting some boards from me. So Ford was the first guy I made boards for. Archibald. Yeah. Okay. And Kyle Canelli, who owns Daydream. Yeah. Uh, so they came to Australia and I had given them some boards and surfed with them. That's when I first met them. Then I came over... I think I shaped a couple boards here that trip for Ford and he gave a couple to some mates and stuff, just kind of like planted the seed. Yeah. And I like I went around, saw the stores and just kind of scoped out yeah. the scene. Yeah. Because I was like, eventually I'll want to get a US distributor or something, like kind of figure out how it works. Yeah. And uh, so I hung out, went to the contest. Um, to the lowers contest. Yeah, hung out down there and I had a board sitting, there was like an FCS test. Uh, tent with fins and shit down there and I had yeah. my board just sitting in there and Matt Bylos was hanging out Yeah. and he picked up a board and was like who shaped this and was like looking at it and I was kind of sitting over on the rocks just eavesdropping in on this thing and, my, and Sam who was working for FCS like oh yeah my buddy shaped it he's just over there and I see him just eyeballing this thing so I was like at that point, what was know, like it? Matt Bylos, I was like, oh my God, it's the guy that shapes Lost. Yeah, yeah. You know? what, what was your, what board was it? Oh, it was this weird like chopped swallowtail like thing with flutes on the rails, kind of like a dumpster diver with all this other stuff going on. So it was like at the time where everything just went short and fat. Yeah. Um, so I guess there, other than the dumpster divers and stuff, there wasn't anything else really floating around and everyone was still on short boards. Yeah. So it probably looked pretty different and it had resin tint stuff going on that you probably wouldn't yeah. normally see. So it kind of stood out. Um, so yeah, I was hanging around, did a few boards and that was my first but he, trip. But he took notice of it. And yeah, he, was he, like, saw, oh. he saw it. Whether he took that much notice of it, I don't know. <laughs> but it had Panda on it. Yeah. Logo. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I was just hanging out, having a good time. And then I came back 2012, start of the year. Um, I had a friend getting married in Hawaii. So I went there, hung out there, then came over for two weeks. Um, and the plan was to shape a bunch of boards for Ford. Yep. Um, just hang out again. And in that trip... Uh, Wallen that does DHD, he yep. was working out of Pure Glass. And he's like, oh, you should hang for the summer. 
And I was like, that's, that's a pretty good idea. So I went home, literally packed up everything in a month, came back, did wow. three, did the summer, did three months, the longest amount of time I could. Yeah. Um, and I think that's when I, I bought a van over here and just lived out of the van out in front of Ford's house. We had a <laughs> Hobbit house right oh on PCH next to the Frog House. I just hung there, lived in the van, hung at the house, surfed, met everyone, kind of like just that allowed me to just meet everyone, you know? Yeah. And that just kind of kicked it off. Um, did the summer, and then that's when I started getting some stores. Um, I might have got surf ride then, San Diego. I had a friend that was working, managing San Diego, so I got boards in there. Did anybody my, help you, or you were hustling? Like No, I, I, oh, I had a guy that introduced me to the buyer at surf ride, but at the time, like, that guy was just trying to get a job with me, and then... He said he worked for Xanadu and I hit up Xanadu and he's like, don't hire that guy. <laughs> and I was like, I just got bad vibes from this guy. I was like, yeah, no. There's, yeah. Every, there's, they're, they're when you're there. a new brand coming in, there's always a lot of people that try and latch on. Yeah. And I've learned my lesson. Um, there's always people that try to latch on early to get in. Yeah. And they're not necessarily the right person. Yeah. Definitely better to You gotta wait. be patient. Yeah. Um, so I, I got into surf ride pretty early on, San Diego, and then eventually Frog House. Frog House was a tricky one, yeah. <laughs> as you guys probably know. Even like being in there all the time and hanging out with all the guys, still tricky. They, oh, TK would just give me so much shit every time I. That's went weird. Out. He only still does, does that to you. Yeah. I mean, I've never heard him give shit to anybody else. Must, you guys are rubbing him wrong. <laughs> Dude, every, I swear every time I'm in there, he, he's walking around with no pants on. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, so, funny. so, yeah, so, I, I just got s- started then, and then I came back to do... might have done the Surf Expo straight after that, the next start of the next year, and I had, like, the Surf Ride demo day. So I started bouncing back and forth, and that's when I, like, started coming here a lot. Yeah. So I was coming here, like, three times a year. And I started selling a lot of boards. Um, did you did you have like pre-orders or you're like, hey, I'm gonna go over there and I need to, I need to shape X amount of boards yeah. to pay for the trip and cover my overhead. At yeah, home I had like... had guys trying to order customs, and then I had the shop stuff going. So springtime, I'd try and time it to get here, do the surf ride demo day and stuff like that. Surf Expo, Surf Expo, I was trying to write up orders, get everything locked yeah. in. And I would try to be here early on to try pump those out um, and really just try to get that sort of thing going. So I was putting a bit of money into it at the beginning. Yeah. Um, and I and did. You're still, you know, I got, that's, you're still pretty young in, in being yeah yeah entrepreneur doing it basically by yourself, right? Yeah. And that's the other thing with boards. I knew early on that I had to start young to ever get anywhere because it takes so long i only feel like i'm just starting to get traction i've been doing it for 15 years it takes a long time to build a name and especially after i've moved across the world you know i've had to start all over again after actually having good traction and really making moves there yeah to doing the same thing here yeah um because other people would be like well fuck you know i got australia i got japan do i really need to you know, go to the U.S.? Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny. Like, I kind of, at that time, I was kind of burnt out on Australia. I was, 
and I've always been someone who's gone traveling and done yeah. that. So I was, when I, at the beginning, I was traveling and just having a good time. And I ended up getting so much happening here that it was like... Yeah. Kind of made it easy, easy like, I decision. Got, yeah, made, I got yeah. to a point where I was like, oh, if I'm, what am I going to do? Because i got this shop back there. Do I get rid of that? Do I yeah. stay here? Do I go for this? I had to get a business visa and that, you know, it cost a lot. I had to go through a lot to get that. Then once I got that, I was here for four years full time, so I'm locked yeah. in. So it kind of reversed, and I was based here. Then going back to Australia as much as I yeah. could, just to try and keep things going there. Because um, the good thing about shaping is you can do it anywhere. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. you just gotta find the market, the niche, and just hunker down. And but the bad thing about shaping is your margins, your profit margin, is pretty tight. Yeah, the more people you bring into that the smaller that gets yeah um but i got good teams doing my stuff in australia um and i like right now like with covid online's epic and it seems like the bigger things get here the more australia follows so my online in australia has been pretty solid i've got a new rep working for me in australia who's opened a bunch of accounts killer and so in the last year all of a sudden a lot of things have been happening yeah. just organically without me being there. Um, so we've got a bunch of stores there now. So that's it's ticking over. Yeah. I'm not like chasing it right now. I need to be able to get back there. Yeah. Um, but over here, the thing with the US, which really, you know, got me here and forced me to stay here was there's so many stores, there's so many surfers, and there's a lot more of that surf culture i almost feel it's so weird because um for us we think that about australia yeah but in australia i feel like it's been lost a lot so the young crew like the guys under my age i feel like don't give a shit about surfing and competing yeah they're more into footy and that's cars and they they just surf you know as a hobby kind of thing yeah there's way more guys there's guys here that are just so into it and there's a lot more stores. That's the other thing. It's like the ability to just sell more boards is there. Australia's really hard. You've got so many big-name shapers. You don't have the population, so it's way more spread out. Less stores. It's just harder to move boards mm-hmm. to really make a good living out yeah. of it, if you could call it that. Yeah. And it, it's funny because, you know, being from the – well, not – originally from the U.S., but living in the U.S. all this time and, and being in the surf industry, you know, Australia is, like, it's a national... Surfing is a national sport, right? It's yeah. way bigger in our minds in Australia than it is here. Yeah. There's there's definite... It feels like it's coming back. There's some stuff happening, like uh, Vaughn Blakey's got a podcast called Ain't That Swell, where yeah. they do live shows and they get the surfing communities in. And do these live podcasts. Yeah. And it's really good. It's awesome. They, I feel like there's a movement where they're kind of trying to bring it back. That's cool. Um, and, they, you know, they bring the local legends in, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Kind of bring it back. Like, when I was a kid, there were so many yeah. big names. Like, every beach had a whole handful of them that yeah. were world tour surfers. But that kind of faded. It fizzled yeah. out. For sure. And, you know, now, talk about present day and talk about covid right like we'll kind of go over it right like 
back in March, when this thing all first started, it was the end of the world, right? And tell us like what you were thinking and what you were going through because, you know, the pandemic shut everything down yeah. and what did that mean, you know? So, I mean, I've had a couple good years where things have just been steadily growing and then I had a lot of big plans for the start of this year. I, mean, I saw you over at Surf Expo. Literally, I had just locked in all these orders bought a ton of foam so i was out money <laughs> yeah and then this happened i literally just went into did, did people cancel those orders yeah i just put it all on hold because all the stores closed yeah so i was like Fuck, i'm not making those boards yeah. if they're not going to be open i mean because yeah. you're just sitting on that yeah before that I, was that was you and i and rama and everybody came off a pretty positive and promising surf expo in january yeah right setting us up starting us off for a really good 2020 sure ain't a banger and i was getting geared up to really hit it early and then all this happened so i i had the boards hadn't gone into production i was just about to like some had been cut but i had all the i had so many blanks racked up um I just stopped production on anything that was retail. Um, just put aside a bunch of money to live off, just in case, not knowing what the hell's going to go yeah. on. Um, and but you should. You're probably still getting custom orders from people. That yeah, but you don't know what's going to happen because so many people stop working. Yeah, so it's like and, who's going to order a board when they stop working? Then if well, then you had your customers calling you and saying, "Hey, man." Those that fifteen board order, that twenty board order. Yeah, I just reached out to everyone and was like, "Do you want me to continue with this? What's your plans?" And they're all like, "Looks like we're closing." I'm like, "Okay, well, I'll put it on hold." Yeah. Because yeah. I would, if they didn't give me a deposit, I wasn't going to touch it. Yeah. Um. So I just put everything aside, and then I surfed a lot. Yeah, I actually started surfing a lot. <laughs> um. I really enjoyed the time, actually, to be honest with you. <laughs> so what happened, like a few of the guys started saying, oh, don't worry about it. Every time there's some sort of uh, financial downturn, surfboard industry seems to peak. And I had Boy, one week. This was like Lance Collins and a few guys. Um, I had one week where it just went dead. I was like, well, this isn't looking real good. Oh. Second week, a couple of orders came in. And then it just started trickling in and it hasn't stopped. And it just went through the roof. I've had record weeks. Yeah. The last few, like the last couple of weeks have been insane. Yeah. I can't even get in the bay because I'm spending all my time with the customers and putting Email down their orders. Calling, yeah. yeah. It's crazy. So when did you like get into like doing like all the like pigment dyes and all the like different like designs? Yeah. So. Pretty much from my first board. Yeah. Yeah, like, when I started shaping, it was all, like, just airbrushes. Um, the guy I learnt under was making long boards with really nice resin tints, gloss yeah. polishes and stuff. Yeah. So my first couple boards all had resin tints. Mm. And uh, I think Hayden Shapes started doing something around that time. A couple guys, and it was before social media and that. So you're not really seeing 
what's going on outside of your local area. Yeah. Um, but I always did like some color on the boards. Um, and then like as I started glassing my own boards more, I started playing around with stuff yeah. a lot more. Um, and then I at some point got into painting the boards a lot and I was doing like all these watercolor wash designs, which I did a lot of. But I've kind of evolved from that and I do a lot more like cleaner cut stuff now. Um, and again, when you're doing, when you get to a point where you're doing so many boards, I don't have that much time to paint boards. So I do, I do it when the customer asks for it. But yeah, you know, I've been, yeah, I've just been pushing more like clean looking stuff lately. A lot of resin tints and then just like rail band sprays and stuff like that. Nice. I like it just looking clean. Yeah. You know, even just a short board that's all white looks so fresh. Yeah. Did you like? Obviously, you started doing the, you know, shaping like a traditional like thruster, like you know, shortboard. You know, like hey, you know, that era. You know, it's just standard three fin, yeah. what we used to call glass slippers. But you know, maybe in the two thousand, you know, a little short and wide. And yeah, kind of came up that dumpster diver. Like when did like your evolution of like really was it your choice or were people asking for it? How did you um, start making? So all these I different- started off like. I was always the full shortboard guy. I used yeah. to ride 511, 18 and 8th, 2 and 1 8th. Yeah. And pretty much every board I made myself at the big, Actually, no, not at the beginning. Second board was a fish. But most of the boards I was really trying to focus on were just... High performance. That's high you performance want to get the best boards. guys on your yeah. board and rip the yeah. hardest. Um, that's what I was focused on. But my second board was a fish. I'd actually had a twin keel fish made for me by... Mm. Keo, which is one of the original board labels out of Sydney, yeah. Australia. Um, the guy who owns that's married to the original owner. Um, he made me one of those. So I, I've still got it. I got it for my 18th birthday. So I made a fish kind of based off that. And Sean, who I was working fit, working with, did a lot. So I did a couple fishes, started playing around with some smaller wave shortboard stuff. And then the dumpster diver came out and... I guess there was a few guys pushing to get some stuff like that. Yeah. And that forced me to go short and fat. And then I had like, I had so many different variations of that kind of thing. Yeah. Which still, I still use today and still use those designs that tweak. Well, I I find it fascinating that, you know, as a shaper and a surfer, you want to put out like that best high performance board that you can so you know all the best surfers are like oh i want to ride that because you know such and such surfers on it but as a business owner because that's what you are as well you're like well those guys want the four and a half pound they destroy them they want them for free they don't want to pay for them but over here is where all the money's at and typically they don't want that board they want the the fun board the fun board the mid-length the twin fin the quad you know like the guys that are yeah. Want quality and something cool, you know. So that's got to be a so a weird balance. I wanted to go back and you know Lars bringing up the different kind of trend, you know, fish mid length. You have a a different sort of. You don't really have competitive surfers. Not at the moment. I did. I started off with that. Um, so my first ever team rider was one of the top kids from North Narrabeen, yeah. David Vlug. Um, I had a bunch of guys. Laura Enova's brother was riding a bunch. Um, I had I had a bunch of just local good.
good local guys around the northern beaches. So I was doing a lot of just high-performance shortboards. Short yeah. Um, and over the years, I have. Uh, CJ Hobgood's had a couple off me. Mm. Jaeger Dora's had a few. Um, I shaped a bunch for Chipper Wilson at one point. He wasn't competing then, though, I guess. Um, He's a freak. He Yeah, so his whole section in Lost Atlas was on my boards. Oh. Um, it's a good little I, trivia right there. Yeah, I've had uh, Mike Dunphy, East Coast yeah. QS guy. Um, there's been a bunch of guys over the years. And all my guys that do ride for me have been good competitive surfers. Brandon was on the QS. Colin Gibbons. Was a, yeah, Brandon Gibbons. Yeah. Who just had was a top Who junior. just had a sick... Um, was that in Stab or was that Surfer Mag? Uh, yeah, Surfer Mag does like a quiver clip. Quiver, yeah. And they just brought out uh, like two weeks ago, I think it was. Um, and you're pretty prominent in that, right? Yeah, well, it was all mine and then a one CI that yeah, Dane had yeah. given him on a trip. Um, that was kind so of, big, that was a big I've, little uh, promotion. Yeah, right? that was epic. You know, th- that sort of stuff really good. Um, and then, you know, I've had so many guys have all gone from that competitive surfer to wanting to ride some alternative stuff. Yeah. And they've, I've always seemed to have picked them up in that transition period. Um, I've also got Noah Collins riding for me. He's from, um, like, South Bay Zone. He's just gone from full shortboard guy to all twin fins and alternative stuff. Hmm. And he rips. Um, so they've all got that background. But a lot of the competitive surfers, they're not... They don't sell boards unless yeah. you're winning world titles. It's Or they're like the top guy from the local beach and they're the guy that everyone loves. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, people don't tend to care. It's yeah. it's funny you, you mentioned that. It's super that clicky. It goes back to the Japan and the little network and the click. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny because the, at one point in time, yes... It, it all depends on the trend and, like, the marketing and if the product is good. Yeah. Right? Because Kelly Slater, when he rode for Channel Islands, he fucking sold Channel Islands. Yeah. You yeah. know? And Aki, when he rode for Rusty, he sold a but ton of Rusty. those pinnacle. And pinnacle, yeah. yeah. Um, but, but what's cool about surfing, it's so... There's subcultures in the culture. Yeah, right? so diverse. You have jock surfers that want to compete you have you know hipster surfers you have like such a variety of different tastes and different uh ways of surfing yeah that it's kind of rad because you can you don't have to focus on one guy because you can if if you can kind of uh, be attractive to different people i mean you can have a plethora of, of designs and shapes. That and just the design challenge, you know, or the, the you know, like your, you know, arsenal of like quiver board designs, yeah. like just to be able to like expand on what you already have done and had success on. And, you know, it's yeah. got to be, make, make it fun. And- yeah. So this comes down to like me traveling a lot. Yeah. So when I first started coming over here, the guys over here wanted different stuff to what yeah. the guys in Australia wanted. Or every, well, the I feel like suck over here and the ways are good over yeah, there. So. I feel like everyone in a store <laughs> in Sydney especially was so fixated on having to ride a Channel Islands shortboard. Yeah. Like it was... That's, what, that's worldwide though. Yeah. Well, CI, they're 
based in Sydney and Monavale. They were straight over from me. So they're yeah. run by the Onboard, who's the company that did Insight. They're the biggest label in Australia, basically. Biggest distributor. Yep. They do a bunch of brands. They um, basically, everyone's on that. Like, everyone just thinks they've got to have a high-performance shortboard. Yeah. When I started doing some alternative stuff, and I should have got onto it way quicker, I was, I'm kind of slow to react on things. I might think it, but I think about it too long instead of just jumping at it. I started doing some alternative stuff with nice resin tints and stuff, and I got a really good reception to it. Yeah. I should have gone hard at it then. But when I started coming over here, like I've got a bunch of friends that ride all sorts of stuff. And that a couple of them really push me to shape different stuff a lot like one of my best mates he's the one that pushed me to do the first twinser and now i'm like stuck on the things i can't get off of <laughs> and i a couple of them really push me to go like do mid-lengths or do longer short boards or fishes and like different variations of stuff yeah. so it's pushed me to really experiment whereas if i was in sydney i would have just kept plugging away doing short boards yeah and the thing with that is I can't sell a shortboard in a store to save my life because no <laughs> one, all the customers want that go into stores is CI, Lost, Paisel, whatever. Yeah. They own, customer who buys a board out of a store generally just buys the top three brands or whatever. Yeah. You know, yeah. what the world champs riding. Yeah. They don't really go for the little guy. So my strong point has been the alternative stuff. I sell those things all day long. All around the world. Yeah. My twin fins, um, all that stuff sells so good. The short boards, even like the bigger I get, it's like short boards. I, I still make a lot of custom short boards yeah. and for good guys. But in store, it's yeah. not my thing. It yeah. just does. I can make, sell way more boards doing yeah. other stuff. And I actually, I really enjoy writing all that other stuff as well. Yeah. The alternative stuff. And I like, think that surfers are more open whether they came from a high performance background and and just having that quiver of hey you know what like the waves aren't that good or the waves you know are mediocre yeah. or maybe it's big you know like to just stay inspired for so long i mean if you start surfing at age five eight ten twelve yeah. you're pretty much surfing the rest of your life or until you physically can't so yeah. you've got to stay silent. yeah and very recently that's what's happened is people have become way more open to writing different stuff. Yeah. Like, well, going back to what we were talking about earlier, how, how COVID has, you know, at first, you know, we definitely were like, oh, shit, the, the world's going to end. And the silver lining is, oh, shit, business is the best it's been ever, right? Like, you're, yeah. you've you probably made more boards in the past couple months than you did in some years. Yeah, I'm like on track to do what I normally do or maybe more and I haven't done all the retail stuff. Yeah. It's just customs. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. The, the retail stuff's trickling in and, but I'm not. What's what's really cool too is like we're gonna um, we've definitely gained a lot more surfers right? And who's to say all of, all of them are gonna continue after COVID so, right? Like but I think though that we're we're definitely gonna retain more than than we lose, right? Sure. Which is really good for all of us on a business like long term kind yeah. of thing. So this is one thing that I've noticed. Uh, 
a lot of those guys that were part of that wave storm influx. Yeah. They're done. All now, no, all getting their first hardboard. Yeah, that's yeah. So yeah. I've been getting truckloads of these guys ordering their first real board, which yeah. is really cool. Yeah. yeah. Converting them. And I heard a, a couple of factories closed in China. So that's cut down the amount of boards coming in, which is kind of opening things up yeah. a little bit back to the way it should be. Yeah. Well, that's what we love about like these conversations and stuff is like you're a craftsman, you're local, you're, you're specialty. And, you know, like, of course, beginners don't know the difference. They're going to go buy what's cheap and what's, you know, easily you know, available. And then they're going to like start figuring it out by watching being you know exposed to who's in the lineup what's going on yeah. going to the search shop asking questions and then you know kind of you know working their way down to either a custom or a yeah. used board and it, it's a process you know yeah. yeah evolving to the next step yeah but I, i've really noticed that in the last couple of weeks like there's been a lot of them yeah that's good it's good for <laughs> really you good, it's good yeah. for everybody like we said i can't business. believe how crowded the waters have been. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I haven't bothered surfing in the last two weeks because I'm sick of it. <laughs> so, so obviously, like material-wise, we're in that kind of you know, polyurethane's been around since day one. Epoxy's been around a long time, but it's now you know starting to get you know pretty substantially like, I guess in percentage-wise, like 50-50, 60-40. You know, like, what do you like to ride, and then what what do your customers like prefer to order? I prefer to ride regular poly. Yeah. I prefer shaping regular poly. It's just way better to shape, I think. Yeah. Because um, it's a different blank, different yeah, process. EPS, I just don't love the way that it feels. I've had one or two really good ones. Yeah. I, They're stiff. They don't have so, I love it, the feel of a stringed EPS. I think that feels really good because you've got that familiar structure between your feet. feels solid. Um, but every time I get on like a stringless, like new tech kind of thing, they always have these weird quirks where they, if you don't time your turn properly, it'll kind of bounce you off. Yeah. Yeah. Notice that. There's There's certain little things. There's also a lot of people don't realize that the blanks will lose their rocker once they're cut. Mm. So they actually relax and they sag down. So it's, Unless you've got something in there holding that curve into it, yeah, you you're not getting the exact rocker you want. Yeah. So I've had a few issues there where I had a whole bunch cut, and I'm looking at them going, "What the hell? This looks super flat." And then I measured it. Yeah. And my rocker's off by like three eighths in the nose. And no stringer, different like composite of the foam yeah. and everything just doesn't like it's not the same. Yeah. And then at one point I did my own construction, and the next thing you know, the foam companies allowed everyone else to buy that and every second person's got it and just yeah. copied what I did so I gave up with that. It's, you know, just you, if you're going to do something like that, you want it to look unique. Yeah. And so if I'm if I'm going to go down that route, I want to go more eco-friendly and you know, that's the going to be the benefit out of it. That's going to be the selling point more than, you know, longevity yeah, you know, or... They surf good. They surf good for your average guy. Yeah. But the end of the day a poly still feels best and it's best to shape yeah i think what what's your like number one model or what's your fit like what do you like what's your like most proud i guess shape or 
I mean, could it be both? I don't know. Maybe it's uh, both. Or, like, so, the Astro Zombie was the number one seller for quite a while, the last few years. And I'm Astro sure that changes. Zombie. Yeah. But uh, what, what is lately, it? that's changed, and the Rocket Fish has kind of up that one. What, what is the shape of the Astro Zombie? The Astro Zombie is my classic twin. Classic, like, Liz-style fish. It's not as classic as that, but that kind of more classic yeah. look. Got it. Then the Rocket Fish is... More slim down, a little bit more rocker, different bottom. So it's got a bunch of V off the tail, so it pivots more. Allows you to get a little bit more aggressive with how you surf White point move back a little bit than the other one? Yeah, it's just slim down. You're right a little longer. It's got a little bit more of a performance feel, but still that fish feel where it's it's got that down-the-line speed and a lot of flow to it. And then the shiitake, which is the <laughs> mid-length. Twizzle. You hear this, listeners? That's going off. I hope you're writing this down, you know? <laughs> shiitake. Yeah, get on, get on the website and the uh, sh- check them out. So the shiitake started off, like, I started doing a bunch of mid-lengths before kind of everything was hitting the racks. I noticed a gap in what was in surf stores. And so I brought out the shiitake and the mid-ranger. The shiitake was pretty wacky for most people. You weren't seeing any twinsers. And then... So the shiitake is a twinser? It's a twinser. And what that, why that works really well with a mid-length is because it's faster and it frees the board up. So it allows you to fucking rip on the thing, but it's a bigger board, so you got that glide, that early paddle in. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of just gaining popularity organically so it's just steamrolling like guys will surf it give it to their friend their friend comes in and orders it and it's just gaining popularity like every day and it's just getting bigger well you don't really see what people are really on when you're in the water but walking up and down the beach to and from the car and stuff and i'm sure that like stands out looking at that fin setup and be like whoa like especially quad but it's not really a traditional quad it's got you know, so it's interesting, but then... It has the... It's more of a twin fin than a quad. Yeah. But it's... Stabilizer you know, it, it looks like yeah. a quad. Yeah. But it's got that feel of a twin, but it's a little faster, and the way it turns is slightly different. I feel like it initiates a turn earlier. Yeah. It pivots a little bit more. A little bit more explosiveness, like right off the, yeah. the rail. Yeah, and having, like, the shiitake's got a long rail line, so that all your drive's already in the shape. The fin setup just gives it more speed and maneuverability. Do you like work with like any of the fin companies on developing shapes, or do you test your own templates and then try um, to get? Yeah, so you can't buy twinses from any of the companies right now. Yeah, Futures did do it, so I had to come up with my own template. So Trams has been making that. Um, so I've been glassing those little twinses on. But uh, Captain Finn's coming out with a range of my fins, cool. which was meant to be months ago, but COVID screwed that up. Yeah, They're meant to land any day now. Um, so I've got a twin with trailer, cool. um, a keel fin and a five fin performance set. Um, so yeah, I've been working with those guys to nice. know, dial some stuff in. Um, and yeah, it's one of those things working on boards you're constantly coming up with new stuff yeah so i might have something coming out and i'm working on the next thing all the time yeah that's cool about innovation right and progression yeah you just gradually you do one thing and you you figure out what works on that and you gradually move on to the next evolution of that yeah because i mean you know like twin fins have um, been around a long time 
but there's different tweaks and, and you know changes to it that make it even better right yeah, yeah. so yeah. yeah so like that shiitake model I've actually just come up with a couple of new designs based off that but coming back down into performance shapes I've got a short board and then another little fun shape um, based off that shiitake like the rocker and everything just coming down into more of a aggressive performance shape that most of us would surf um and I'm blown away by the five six. I just went to Waco and I rode that thing the whole time. Oh, it's super fun. I've been surfing Northside a couple of times lately. Whoa. I think I've seen you out there. Whoa, bro! Um, Fuck Northside, it's, man. It's Southside for life. We'll this podcast right now. This is what this is what's good about being blowing. I can go surf anywhere and no one knows who I am. <laughs> so speaking of Waco, how? Uh, yeah, Waco is pretty fun. Yeah, it's got more power than you would think. Yeah. Um, a lot of the guys what, left when some did you get on the concrete. Um, yeah, it's shallow. I went two weekends ago. Dude, yeah, yeah, it was fun. I got a last minute call up. Did you go with the? I went with Mikey Kenner. No, I went with the Colvins, um, and they're from Newport. One okay. of the boys works at Rusty, and one of the guys works at Creatures. Mm. Um, and their group of friends they had a couple guys pull out, so I just jumped on it. Sick. And uh, yeah, we went out and had two uh, two hour private sessions, so we got to go at all the different waves. The only problem was twelve guys. When you're doing those specialty waves, you only get one wave sets. So you got 12 guys, it's a long wait for your turn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you blow it, you're like, fuck. Yeah. You're to wait. You go back to the end of the line, you got to wait again. That's the hardest thing about the wave pulls is the waiting and yeah. watching. Yeah. So I only got like two or three attempts at the air wave and like one attempt at the barrel wave because I fucked up the first attempt. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the three-way set, the lowers wave, is super fun. It's yeah. whackable all the way. To I definitely point. want to go there sometime. And yeah. you're... Yeah, going. Yeah. yeah. Soon. Sick. Well, yeah. I'm just waiting for Palm Springs to open. Yeah. As soon as that opens, I'm yeah. there. Yeah. yeah. There. Hour and a half. But hours. it's it's one of those things that's such a novelty. I haven't been so excited for something since I was a little kid. So cool. It's like a skate park for the first time. You're like, oh my God. For sure. It's so, so much opportunity beautiful. to try yeah. stuff. Have you it, done Kelly's pool yet? No. I'm waiting for my invite. Yeah. <laughs> well, that and we're, perf- you know, you're that's like... That's pretty ridiculous. Perfectionist. Like, you... you, you you know the waves are short. You knew the next one's going to be identical. You're like, okay, I kind of, I turned here, but maybe if I wait, and then you know, like, you're constantly like trying to redo the wave in your head, and while you're waiting, and you're watching other people, and it's just a really cool process to like go yeah. through that, you know, and hopefully I'm, execute. <laughs> I'm definitely very keen to go back again. Yeah. Um, it's addicting. Yeah, yeah, it's super fun. Once it's in Palm Springs, you got a quick drive. Yeah. Down there. Yeah. Go there for a day and be back at night. Yeah. I'm buying a membership. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Inside note, Jay Lewis has got a house in Palm Springs. uh, Palm Springs. Yeah. La Quinta. Yeah. Down there every weekend. (laughs) I actually got to surf it a couple weeks ago, but it was it's still in the testing phase. Yeah. (laughs) And if you're not a regular footer, that ride is freaking hard. But it's really good. All the pools I think have got a weird kind of pocket to them 
Like yeah. Waco, I really struggled backside. It's really, too. It was real. You want to be able to go top to bottom, it's coming but it's hard you. to fit tight and get in there. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Uh, it was kind of tricky, and the angles that the yeah. wave comes out, just paddling for the waves, weird. Yeah, as it comes out of nowhere. It's yeah. crazy how all of a sudden wave pools are just popping up everywhere. You haven't even yeah. seen Greg Weber's stuff yet. That hasn't even launched, and he's doing stuff that's like. He's doing these man-made reefs for out in the ocean as well as wave pools. Wow. And that's where I'm kind of Which would perplexed on like how and why these, you know, investors or companies and people and surfers like invest in these artificial reefs, which would use the natural like swell. But, you know, obviously we know what the super bank and, you know, green now, we know it lowers and, you know, you know, it's just finding what swell directions and creating some, I mean, like, around here could really use one of those. You think? How about every, every town? park where it's just <laughs> straight all the time. Yeah. One of those things out there, you'd actually have proper waves. Yeah. I, I, you know, did, did you see day. that Aki's, uh, that pool, oh, okay. Aki, yeah, yeah. or whatever they, they just, um, I watched it last night. There's a new video and they've, made some refinements to it and bro i was fucking blown away so they had they did it and they actually had surfers at all the different spots around yeah you know so boom you have the top to bottom slab yeah then you have these girls that were longboarding on a fun freaking like longboard right yeah and then other dudes over here dudes over here dudes it's over a really here. It's cool like, concept yeah. i heard yeah. from one of the guys that surfed that last session and apparently it's got a bunch of punch to it, but again the transitions are weird. Yeah, it's real steep not, and short. Yeah, it's either real steep and short or I think kind of fat. It yeah. doesn't have enough energy to like prolong the wave. Yeah, and the, the way it's like, generating yeah. it's different to yeah. normal, I guess. So. It looks pretty damn good. Still though. fun. Still like yeah. I'd love to go there and try all the different ways. Yeah. yeah, that's the cool thing about it. It was that's the first time I saw it. Like what the concept Probably. of it. You know, having five or eight different spots. Yeah, so. yeah. Any yeah. Um, any special trips outside of your 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 European excursion, like Indo? You went that to, I've done. Like yeah, any other like great surf trips or I've been to Indo a bunch of times because that's kind of a given from Australia. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mentors is a pretty good one. Yes, had had a really good boat trip there. Scored everywhere. Um, Outside of that, uh, I mean, I went to West Oz recently, which was really cool. Not just for the waves, but like the actual place is super cool. Yeah. Have you been to West Oz? Oh, yeah. So I love, nice. I've never been there. It's just like country raw. It's like, almost, it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of like Mexico, but like it's got that desert feel, but you get to the beach and it's crystal clear blue water and white sand. Yeah. Tropical and, water, but like desert, desert like kind of cooler, really cool landscape. place. Yeah, so that was a recent yeah. one. Um, just trying to think. Um, I mean, I've done a couple of really good trips to Europe. Europe's definitely favorite. Yeah, I had a bunch of friends over in France, so I love going there. That's right, I scored nice. there a bunch of times. Um, yeah, I want to go do a Portugal trip with the family. I mean, wife wants to do like, of course, like Italy, and yeah. Yeah, I want to do, do Biarritz and Hossiger. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah, that it, that place is so good. And you you go up the beach and you score banks with no one around. It's just pumping. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, Lower sandbars everywhere, or slab sandbars, or like wedge. It's just crazy. Like it moves and it's good. Yeah. Not not really, guys. You shouldn't go there, but yeah, you should. Yeah. I've done the east coast of Australia a million times, but that road trip never gets old. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of haven't really done any. Oh, actually, I went to Mark and Dave's. Yeah. And I went to. um, I did a really fun trip down the Selena Cruz. I haven't Not done that yet. Ago, where we scored a point break with no one else around. Oh, yeah. You went with Dave and yeah, Jay, yeah. right? Oh, you guys scored, right? So we had one day that was the best day of surfing I've had in years. Where no no one, just your small group of friends, going wave for wave. Oh. Overhead, stinking hot, sunny, and just light offshore. And, and turning. Oh. and turns. So, you know, I ride stamps boards. Yeah. I actually borrowed dave's panda last year in nicaragua um surf ponga drops and you know you, if it's bigger you kind of need a little bit bigger board to, to get yeah, in the yeah. waves so i borrowed his board i, I forget what size it is fish or something? yeah and it was pretty fucking good <laughs> <laughs> he was i was like dude can i borrow that board he's like uh i guess i'll ride something else and i'm like yeah yeah you ride something else and i took the panda and fuck dude i had such a, a good time on it so. i had a really fun trip down there where we just surfed out the front pretty much the whole yeah. time it was that little bank if you're looking at it just to the left mm-hmm. where it would like break out there off panga drops but it would hit this inside bank and just wedge yeah yeah and i would just sit there in the morning wait for my turn and get out there surf it by myself and i had like marker on the beach i knew the exact spot yeah i had so many good sessions out there yeah. just out the front go in eat drink go back out and just do it all day long yeah Whereas so ready for a surf trip dude yeah so i'd be happy to go down there again that's for sure yeah yeah there's so many good spots well shoot dude yeah this is epic we, I mean, we got a lot of good we're content. coming on two hours <laughs> um what's uh you know Let's wrap it up and talk about what, what is there any future plans for Panda? Uh, More extension I mean, of the brand? To, really just trying to manage things as well as I can right now. So I'm just the one man show. I That's the good, that's the sweet thing about buying a board from me is you buy from me, you deal with me, I shape your board, it's no one else. Yeah. So that's where I can offer something that the big guys can't so right now I'm just trying to manage all that because I'm so busy that it's getting to the yeah. point where I need someone um, got so, the, we got the fins coming out which yeah, is new yeah fins are coming out with Captain they should be landing in the next couple of weeks nice. and they should be available at most of your finer good, surf shops good surf stores nice um, yeah so I mean once travel what? opens up I'll be going and hitting all my distributors around the world again what uh, what's the website? Uh, pandasurfboards.com. Awesome. Um, and we've got a really well dialed in website where you can check out all the models, go through all the features. You can buy online. If you have any issues, give us a call. All the contact details are on there. Um, what's the phone number? 949-258-2271. Um, and I'll be the one answering the phone. <laughs> Um, and I can That's help you. Line. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can help you with any uh, queries you have about the boards, um, or you can come in and see us at Pure Glass in Costa Mesa. Cool, awesome. 
And Instagram is Panda Surfboards. Perfect. Awesome. Blake Peters. Blake. Blake. <laughs> Break. Break Peters. <laughs> Arigato. Nice. Thank you. That was awesome, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Yeah. Cheers. Peace. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the show. Please give us a five-star rating and spread the word. Special thanks to our good friends, James Williams for our awesome artwork and Justin Reynolds for the amazing music.